Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of knowing you as Lord and Savior. We thank you for the opportunity we have today to honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us. Lord, we honor you as Brother Mike is saying, all glory be to you forever, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the sweet spirit in this place. We thank you for the opportunity we have to meet together today. May as we come now to this part of worship, as we open the Word of God, may the Word of God speak to us. May the Holy Spirit of God give us understanding so that we might glorify the Lord Jesus Christ today and all the rest of the days of our life. We thank you, Lord, for this chance we have to sing praise to your name, to enter into to come to the throne of grace in heaven and to celebrate and to praise you, Lord Jesus, and give you honor and glory and now to hear your word and the glorious nature of who you are. We thank you for it. We pray for the fathers of our church. We pray for the fathers that they would be spirit-filled men and leaders for their family and godliness, that their children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren might see in them Jesus Christ and His glory by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for them. We thank you for their example. We thank you for the many godly and faithful men in this church. We pray that you'd bless them all today. And so, Lord, now we, we pause and we say thank you again for your grace and mercy. And, and now teach us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. And may the Lord bless you. Have, if you have your Bible, find your place. I hope you do have your Bible. Hebrews chapter number 8. Hebrews chapter number 8. We continue to think these days, my dear friends, about this very important subject that Jesus Christ is alive, ascended, and is our great high priest. And as our high priest, we have a high priest who is merciful, who is faithful to us. And we have a high priest who can sympathize with what we're going through. And I hope that you've been with your high priest today. I hope that you have spent time with him and you've had the opportunity to be with him. So today we continue on uh, as we look at these truths. I, and I've mentioned this to you several times. It is my burden as your pastor that we walk our way through the book of Hebrews and look at this great truth of the Lord Jesus as our high priest. You need this today in your life. You'll need it every day of your life while you're here on this earth. As you seek to follow Jesus, you must understand his role, not only as Savior, not only as Messiah, not only as our King, not only as prophet, but also as high priest. And that will help you in your walk with God. So Hebrews chapter number 7, we're going, to, we're going to go back to chapter 7 and pick up what we looked at last week and then tie it together with the first verse of chapter 8. Hebrews chapter number 7, beginning in verse number 25. So let's read again what we looked at and be reminded of last week. Therefore he, that is Jesus Christ, is able to save forever those who draw near to God. Through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Let me read that verse again. Therefore, he is able to save forever 
those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people because this he did once for all when he offered up himself for the law appoints men as high priests who are weak but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. Now, the main point, the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Let's read verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1 again. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. O Holy Spirit of God, thank you for teaching us today, filling us and using us for your purposes to the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our focus today is this, that Jesus Christ is seated in the place of glorious honor in heaven. Maybe I could say it another way for emphasis. It is the emphasis of chapter eight, verse one. It is my emphasis today. Jesus Christ has taken his seat in the place of glorious honor in heaven. Nothing happens in a courtroom until the judge takes his seat. Nothing happens in business until the leader of the organization takes his seat at the meeting. Nothing happens until the chairman of the committee takes his seat. All things are based upon our Lord taking his seat. And for you and I today in all the woes and troubles of life and all the disappointments and all the discouragements and the shape and condition of the world, the best news of all is what we read in chapter 8, verse 1. Our Lord Jesus, our high priest, has taken his seat. He has taken his seat. And he has taken his seat in glory and honor. And for us today, that helps us understand how to worship God. That helps us to know how to confess to Him. That helps us know how to draw near to Him in our relationship to Him. When we have troubles and trials, we go to the one who has taken His seat. We don't take our seat. We stand in glory with Him and praise Him for all that He's done. However, I remind you, that we have been seated in heavenly places with Christ. Wednesday night, I spoke to the church that was with me at Colossians chapter 3. Again, we've been looking at this and I wanted to make a point of it. I make a point again today. Set your mind on things above. You've come in here today with a lot of celebrating to do, a lot of other things that are pressing in on you. But I call you again today to go to heaven with me. 
That's right. Set your mind on things above. Today we think about our Lord Jesus Christ seated in heaven. I like what old one old preacher said from years and years ago. A desire after Christ and His ascension and His seating is the way to heaven. If you would ascend to Christ, set your desires on Him seated in heaven. Where are your desires today as you come to this church house? What is it that's driving your soul? What is it that you want to get done? You see, your desires drive your will and your decision making. And so today, it is for us to decide, am I going to set my mind on the things of this world? I'm not saying be irresponsible. I'm not saying don't take care of your business. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do the things you need to do here on the earth. I'm asking, where's your, where's your mind? Is there a heavenly mindedness about you? Have you set your mind on things above? The Lord Jesus Christ has taken his seat. And because he has taken his seat, all things are well for all believers, regardless of what they go through. Now, I have three observations today, and I want to expand on just this principle that's found in chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to ask you to look at three places in the book of Hebrews. Keep your Bible open. I hope you will. You need to mark them. You need to know them. And they need to be important and helpful to you as you live your Christian life. We're not waiting for the Lord to take His seat. He has taken His seat. We've been waiting for Him to take His seat. All of creation waited for Him to take His seat. And then one day after the cross, after He came back from the dead, He ascended and He has taken his seat. The only one who could sit in the seat. The only one who deserved the seat. The only one who was blessed and given the seat by God the Father. The mysteries that we see in understanding the high priesthood of Jesus Christ our Lord in the understanding of his relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit shows us the great mystery of our one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are mysterious things, but they are for you. They are written for you. The book of Hebrews given to us spends an enormous amount of time talking about the priesthood of Christ. And that's what I'm wanting us to walk our way through. Number one, Jesus Christ has taken his seat, completing the work of sacrifice of sins. Number two, Jesus Christ, the high priest, has taken his seat, receiving the highest honor in heaven. Number three, Jesus Christ, the high priest, has taken his seat, waiting for the time of his return to the earth. This is a, this is a profound truth. There was, there was not a chair in the Holy of Holies for the Jewish high priest to go in and sit down. But there is now this glorious truth that our great high priest, the, the greatest of all, the high priest, the high priest appointed by God, the Lord Jesus Christ, sits in the glorious presence of God as our representative. He, sets, he sits there interceding for us. He sits there so that he might give us grace and mercy in the time of our need. That's why we call to him. That's why we worship him. That's why we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives. If you are a follower of Jesus, you set your mind on the things you love. You set your mind on the people you love. 
If you love the Lord Jesus, you're setting your mind on the Lord Jesus who is in heaven. And you are there with him too, though you're on the earth. Well, first of all, we look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, this wonderful truth. And here's a description now, first of all, of the completing work of the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest. You see, he had to come with the sacrifice. High priests have the sacrifice on behalf of the people. The Lord Jesus became and is the final sacrifice for sin, praise God. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God. Radiating from the Lord Jesus Christ is all the majestic glory and awesomeness of the unseen God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples. I'm saying to the disciples of this generation, you want to know the glory of God? You look in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. You seek to follow Him. You endeavor to surrender to Him and confess Him Lord of your life. He is the, he is the radiance of the glory of God and He is the exact representation of his nature. If you want to know how God works, you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and he demonstrates for you all the glory, the glorious nature of the unseen God. And he upholds all things by the word of his power, whether they're, micros whether they're microscopic, whether you see them with your eye, whether they're seen through a telescope, the reality is all of the created order, seen and unseen at this very moment is held together by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what keeps the world from flinging apart. That's what keeps the world in check. That's why though evil goes on and seems unchecked, all things are upheld by the word of his power. He has taken his seat. He is the one who takes his seat as the radiant glory of God, the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, do you see it there in Hebrews 1.3? When he had made, when did he do it? On the cross. On the cross, Jesus Christ made purification for sins through his sacrifice and he sat down. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down. He took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become, verse 4, as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. That's why we are followers of Jesus. You see the Lord Jesus on the cross provided purification for our sins. The Lord Jesus provided on the cross the sacrifice that was final for sin. We're going to read it again in a moment, Hebrews 10, 12. But he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God, Hebrews 10, 12. You see, the Lord Jesus endured the cross in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Well, that means you set your mind on Him. You cannot see Him with your physical eyes. The way you fix your eyes on Jesus is to think about Him, meditate on Him, look at the Word of God and take these thoughts and put them in your mind. He is very much alive, the Lord Jesus, today, and you must fix your mind upon a living Lord Jesus, He says, 
Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When he, he authored our salvation, he finished our salvation, he perfects it by his death on the cross, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work for sin is linked to his taking his seat in glory. He has sat down because he has finished the work for salvation for every person in the world who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about the Lord Jesus, you think of his cross and you think of him seated on the throne. Those two things go together. His past sacrifice for our sins. He died for our sins and now he has taken his seat, finishing the work. Look, you can be purified from your sinfulness. You know, sin corrupts us. Sin makes us filthy and dirty. That's what happens when you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you go back to sin. It's an awful feeling. It's a terrible feeling in your mind. You're convicted about it. It causes all kinds of effects. When you, when you sin with your mouth, you, you affect your own life and the lives of others. When you sin with your hands and your body, you disgrace the God who has saved you. The reality is that we know about the corruption of sin who are saved, but the majority of the world thinks they're living a normal life. They're without God, without hope, and they're living in the filthiness of sin. And praise God, the cross of Jesus Christ stands to declare that purification of sin has now been made available and opportune through the faith we put in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. He's the payment for our sins, not only ours, but for the whole world. You see, praise God, the Lord Jesus has provided for us through the cross. He has taken his seat. He's completed the work of final sacrifice for sin. But I want you to come to the second uh, point here that I have for you, that he's taken his seat, receiving the highest honor in heaven. It's here in chapter 1, verse 4. Having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they, the great angels, the mighty angels of the Word of God. We find the angels of God at work from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, even at the resurrection tomb and there at his ascension, the angels are there. The accompanying of the angels in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry, the awesomeness and the power, the majesty of these created beings. But they all bow. They all bow before the one and say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The demon fallen angels possessing men and women in the New Testament when they came upon the Lord Jesus Christ, they cringed with fear of the Lord Jesus Christ in His flesh and begged Him to leave because of His majesty and glory. And yet I find it interesting that men and women will not bow their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, but continue to live in arrogance and pride when all the angels see and recognize the glorious nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is better than them. 
He is the one who has taken his seat. No angel could take his seat. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could take this seat of honor. And he is glorified as greater than the angels in heaven. He is seated in the place of greatest honor. And he has inherited all things. And he has a name above all names. What did Paul say? That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess in heaven and on earth. That G and below the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God has bestowed on him the name. The name above every name. You might be proud of your heritage. You might be proud of your family lineage. You might be pleased with your name and who you are. But there is no name to compare with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has taken his seat and he has the name above all names. And we bow to his name, Lord Jesus Christ. He is seated in heaven by the power of God. Paul was praying for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1. You can mark it sometime and read it. Ephesians 1. He prays that the church, I'm praying for this church, that your eyes would be open, that you might understand the power of God released for you in your life. Ephesians 1.19, that you may know what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as the head over all things. He has taken his seat. He, has, he is the head of all things. He has taken his seat. He is the one whom we honor and glorify and we praise in his name. We pray in his name. We glorify the Lord Jesus. You see, God the Father said in the great prophecy... The words of God the Father to the Son, Psalm 110.1, a mystery. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Daniel prophesied of this glorious honor of Jesus Christ. He said... In his vision, he saw one like the Son of Man, and he came up to the Ancient of Days. This is Daniel 3.13. And he was presented before him. And to him, to this one, this glorious Christ, this Messiah, this Son of Man, to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom will not be destroyed. And Peter in the first gospel sermon ever shared in the church and with the lost world, he declared to those Jews in Acts chapter 2 verse 32, this Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this which you see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, here's his conclusion. Here's my word to this church today and all who hear my voice. Therefore, 
let all the house of Israel, let all of you who are here in Dixon at First Baptist Church today, let all of you know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He is seated and honored today with the name above every name. He is seated and honored today with all authority and all power. All power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He is seated and honored as Lord of all. He is seated and honored as Christ, the promised one, Savior of the world, Messiah. He is seated and honored as high priest, making forever intercession for his people. And he is seated and honored as head and protector of the church. What else do I need if I know that Jesus, my Lord, is seated in heaven? Finally today, Jesus Christ, the high priest, has taken his seat, waiting for the time of his return to the earth. I take you to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll go there in a, in, in a few weeks, Lord willing, and we'll see some more about this. But I read to you in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. But he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting. Sitting and waiting. Sitting and waiting. Have you ever done that? Sitting and waiting. Waiting from that time onward until, praise God, his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Our Lord is seated in glory, having completed his work. He has taken his seat. He has taken his seat waiting to return when the time is right, when the time comes, when the fulfillment of times has come, he will leave his seat and come in glory to this world. And the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorious. It will be marvelous for the saints of God. And it will be terrible and horrible for those who remain unbelieving in this world. It will begin a series of events like the world has never seen. Whatever kind of pestilence and trouble and trial and financial pressures and difficulties and wars have been, there will never be a time to compare with the great, great trouble that will come on the earth as the Lord Jesus comes again. This is important for you to know. You cannot understand the seating of the Lord Jesus Christ forever eternally in heaven without knowing that he is waiting to return. He has yet business to do. But having offered the sin, notice he is waiting from that time onward. So now he sits waiting. So when you pray to your great high priest and you say, Lord, how long do I have to wait? I've been a pastor long enough to know how sad people come to be. When they pray and it seems like they just wait and there's no answer. Sitting and waiting. Sitting and waiting. Our Lord has taken his seat and he waits for that time, that glorious time. Here's the way P P Peter said it in another of his sermons. Whom the heaven must receive until the period of restoration. This is Acts 3.21. Whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. And what did the Lord, what was the final straw that 
caused such anger and hatred among the high priest and all of those religious elite Jews who put Jesus on mock trial? Why, it were these words. You may have missed them or you may have passed them up when you saw how the Lord responded in his trial before the high priest. But in Matthew 26, 64, the Lord Jesus says to the high priest, Nevertheless, I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. Oh, what a statement that was. What anger came over the high priest because he knew those were words reserved only for the one who was the promised one, the Messiah. And the Lord Jesus stood before him fearlessly declaring to him as the Son of God on earth that he is about to die for sacrifice for sin, but will be raised and will sit, praise God, at the right hand of God the Father. You don't have any problems today, my friend, because the Lord Jesus has taken his seat in heaven. He's taken his seat. It's done. You don't have to wait around for something else. It's done. When you get the news about some trouble or trial in your life, it's done. He's taken his seat. He took his seat and then you got the news. Praise God. When there, when there are believers all over the world who today are suffering, I remind you they're suffering a lot greater, a lot greater trouble than having high gas prices. I promise you there are believers all around the world today that are suffering far greater than that you can't buy that house because you think the interest rate is too high. I promise you today that there are believers around the world who are suffering simply because they call themselves Christians, but even in the greatest of suffering, he has taken his seat, and because he has taken his seat, sacrifice for sin is done. You can be freed. He is the glorious one who is to be honored by us every time we get together. We sing praise and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ and we live privately to honor and glorify Him and we pray, come Lord Jesus, because one day He will come on the clouds. It's sooner than you think. It's sooner than you think. Don't be rocked asleep. Pay attention to the signs. They are the birth, they are the birth pains. They are those early signs reminding us that the Lord is about to come. Oh, my friend, if you know someone who is not saved, the most important thing you could do is talk to them about being saved. You don't want your friend, you don't want your children, you don't want your grandchildren here after the Lord Jesus removes the church and the great day of the Lord falls in judgment upon this earth. That's what busies us about evangelism. That's what busy... He's taking his seat. He's taking his seat. And the church began to preach. And the Holy Spirit came in power. When he took his seat, the Holy Spirit came to be in God's people. Praise God, it's the way it works. He has taken his seat and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and live for God. And the gospel spreads because he has taken his seat. So what do we remember today? Let us come before the Lord confessing, worshiping him as the one who is seated as Christ, Lord, high priest, king. Let us rejoice forgiveness and, forgiveness and cleansing of sin is now yours because he has died for your sins and has taken his seat. you remember how corrupt you were in your sin? you remember how you lived godless life when you didn't know Jesus? 
You remember how you walked away from God and you hated other people and you were a despised person and you were miserable without hope in your life and He saved you. He saved you by the grace of God when you put your faith in Him. Stay alert, the Lord is coming. And what does John say in Revelation chapter 1, 7? Behold, look, look. He's coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him. So it is to be. Amen. To the praise of the glory of His grace. I share these things with you. And I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, wake up, wake up, wake up. Whatever current event you read, whatever preacher you listen to, listen to the words of the Word of God. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He is at the door. The times, the times are changing. And that's why the church prays. That's why the church prays to our glorious Lord who has taken His seat. Come, Lord Jesus.